Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, rolling along we are here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, we are also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Nuno's here. Hembo's here. Lots going on. You just heard Christine mention that they've got a new president for the NCAA. We had some fairly strong thoughts on that a little earlier, which we weren't getting to. A lot of weather conversation here, which is always fascinating to me. It has long been my belief. Tell me if you agree with this, Hembo, that one of the things that we love the most about football is the weather game. I, I love, there's nothing I love. I don't love it when the Jets are playing in one because sometimes the weather dictates the outcome of the game and, and you don't necessarily want that. So when, maybe when your team is playing, it's a little bit less um, delightful. But to sit back and watch Buffalo, Miami, Saturday night, as a fan, I'm rooting for snow. I'm rooting for, you know, all of that. I want to see the guy's breath coming out. I, I'm fascinated. One of my favorite interviews we've done on this show was we had Chris Collinsworth on, and I, we did about 15 minutes on the Freezer Bowl game, the second coldest game ever played when it was negative 40 at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, and they beat – Dan Fouts and company came in from San Diego and said, what the heck is this? And, and Chris Collinsworth, he told the great story. He said that he woke up that morning on his radio. He heard them say it is going to be 40 degrees below zero today. Whatever you do, don't let your dog outside. And, of course, they had to go out and play a football game. So th- there's something about that. There's something about how much I know it would have to – something about the fact that I know I couldn't do it. Look, I couldn't play in a pro football game if it was being played in 60 degrees and sunny. But most certainly the second someone touched me in that level of cold, I would just be racing to the sideline, racing to the locker room, announcing my retirement, and doing any, literally anything else for a living. The toughness of these football players to play in these conditions – never ceases to amaze me. When I was a kid, I always found it fascinating that players would play these cold weather games without long sleeves. Oh, For some reason, that always fascinated it's me. It's insane. I'm curious, though, because you grew up going to all these games, like all the time, uh, all these Jets games. Do you re- recall there ever being a weather game or a super cold game that you attended when you were a kid with your father? Yeah, tons of them. And, and so, I mean, that was half the fun. So when my dad and I would go to Shea Stadium in the 70s, and, 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 and we would stay to the end of the game. My father always said, a real fan stays to the end of the game. So the Jets could be 2-10, and 10, and we're losing to Oakland, you know, 36-10 to 10, with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. We're not leaving. That's not on the list of options. But things have changed in sports now. So in those days, you could, I don't know if you're still allowed to do this. We would bring a blanket into so we would drive a car my father had a car we would drive our car there was a place that we would park I I couldn't tell you exactly where it was you know because I'm a kid at this time but it's in Queens and it was close enough that you would park the car and then you would walk it wasn't in the parking lot of the stadium you would have to walk like through a fence and we would my I'd get up in the morning my mother would have laid out basically every article of clothing that I owned there was the long (laughs) underwear and the this and the sweaters and the shirts and the everything and just 
overwhelmed with clothing. I, I mean, I would, I would, I would, my body weight was probably tripled as I walked out the door. My mother is, and then you would have a thermos, like a literal thermos that you would walk in with hot chocolate, which we would have, and we would have a big blanket. We had this big, like, wool, scratchy, incredibly uncomfortable blanket that lived in the trunk of the car. And when we would get to the stadium, we would park, we'd take out the blanket, you take out the thermos, you go and you go in and you sit at the game and you cover yourself in the blanket, and that's all it was. No one's hitting you, so I would just be sitting there. And yes, we went to every game no matter how cold it so was. So I'm gonna test your knowledge here. In the NFL record and fact book, yeah. they have the coldest games on record. There are four games listed that had a neg- negative temperature. Uh you mentioned you already mentioned one of them. There's those. only four. There's only four. The where, col- where, where the temperature, meaning the wind chill or the temperature, the temperature. Okay. It, there are only four games on record for which the temperature was in the negative degrees. You already mentioned one of them. I'm curious if off the top of your head. Well, was. I know the ice ball is the coldest game ever played to this day. That Dallas is- Green Bay in the championship game of '66. 60- Six or 67. Five, 67. Uh, minus 13 with a 48 below wind chill. <clears throat> okay, so that th- those two I know for sure. So you're telling me there's only two other games where the actual temperature was below zero? Yes, and these are a little bit more recent. It was one the the giant uh, Packers game, right? Oh, yes, the Eli, the Tom Coughlin red face game. Yep, uh, January of 08. The game wow. was negative one with a 23 below wind chill. And it, was that the third coldest or the fourth coldest? The fourth coldest. There was so another game that was minus six degrees. The 25 below wind chill. Give me, give me an era. Uh, 2016. I'll just give you the year. The year was 2016. You'll remember the game. Yeah, of course. Fairly, fairly notable playoff game. It's, it's not. It's 2016. So that would have been Patriots. The Falcons were the Super Bowl that year. Right? Am I thinking of the right the, season? It was the year before. The, season the year before. before the, year that? De- the year Denver. The year Denver and uh, Carolina, though. The, this, uh, neither team played in this game. Uh, just tell us. It was the game that Minnesota played outside. That was the year that they, they didn't play in the Dome. They played outside. The, the, the missed kick against Seattle. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. game yep. is one of the, is, was the last one of these four. I do remember that. Yeah, of course. All right, there's only four games ever. So we're not getting that this Saturday mm-hmm. night, but we are going to get some weather, and it's going to be interesting. And it brings me to something I wanted to dive into here. I think there are four and maybe five quarterbacks <coughs> who have – I'm not sure what the right way to phrase this is – a lot of pressure, pressure is not really the right way to say it. I will just say have a lot at stake this weekend. And they are, in no particular order, Daniel Jones, Tua Tungavailoa, and then two guys who are playing against each other, Jared Goff and Mike White. And then I threw in with a question mark at the bottom of it, Geno Smith tonight. So let me start by asking that one, Nuno. Because I'm not that plugged into the situation in Seattle. I, I've been obviously entertained, and I have been rooting for him. I find myself, you know, as the former Jet that he is, rooting for Geno, and I was really enjoying the great start to the season that he's had. They've tailed off a little bit. Has Geno, is, is, it, is it a fait accompli that Geno Smith is going to be the starting quarterback again in Seattle next year? Is, is that the general perception around the Seahawks, or does he still have some work to do to solidify that job? I see the interesting thing and what what I think people forget or even though we've talked about it a lot is as of right now they have the number 2 pick in that draft. Right. So, I think it will depend on what Pete Carroll does, right? If Pete's still all in as he seems to be and you know, do you bring Geno back and you're bringing, you know, you draft someone like CJ Stroud, Bryce Young in that situation? I think it it depends on that. But I'll say if you want a veteran is there a better option and or 
what would Gino's market be out on the open if they don't want him? Or you know, are they going to be outbid for Gino? What is his contractual situation? He's a free agent. He's a free agent. Year. Thirty-two free years agent. old. He's a free agent. So I mean, people are going to offer him real money for sure. I mean, he's played well enough to offer to get real money, but it will be more if he if he finds a way to beat that really good San Francisco defense oh. tonight. Short week. Like a lot of things go in Seattle's way. I like Seattle in this game tonight, which is the, probably the worst news they could ever get. <clears throat> but I do like them tonight. No Debo Samuel. Brock Purdy is banged up a little bit. Short week. Set 49ers on the road. I know the teams know each other well. I kind of like Seattle in this spot tonight. But, but so it feels to me like he's one of the quarterbacks <clears throat> that we talk about here that has a lot on the line. I think Daniel Jones has a lot on the line. I know it was Jordan Renan who covers the Giants for us at ESPN, Nuno, and I'll come back to you on this one as my resident Giant fan, um, that this is the most important game of Daniel Jones' tenure as the quarterback of the New York Giants when you consider all of the playoff implications as they go to D.C. on Sunday night. How do you see the, the significance of this game for the, the Giants' quarterback future Sunday night, Nuno? Yeah, I still don't know if they're 100% sure on him, right? And a lot of it is obviously unfair because of the fact that he has no weapons and, you know, the offensive line where you thought would be better is still a sieve for the most part. So I think if he goes out there and plays well, which he hasn't done on in primetime games, um, and keeps him close or wins this game, I think as a fan you'll feel more comfortable going forward because I don't know. Now I'll turn this around to you because we're gonna about we're gonna talk, we've been talking about Mike White all this time. Mike White's a free agent mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Does when you look at who's available and and the draft class and things of that nature, like we start talking about what guys will someone bring in? Like who are you bringing in if you're the Giants if you don't feel comfortable with Mike White? At this point in time, you draft him like an Anthony Richardson if he's still available like that late in the first round. That's a development. Are you giving a lot of money to, or some you know money to Mike White? Like, you're like what about are you Daniel doing? Jones, right? Yes, you, you're yes. Talking about da- not Mike White. Yeah, you're, you're but I'm Giants. just saying for the Giants, oh, where yeah. are you turning to? Are you turn? You're, you're not turning to a Mike White. You're not turning to a a Geno Smith. So I think you're kind of almost stuck for another in a holding pattern for another year. With I him. see what you're saying. So, so you again, uh, Daniel Jones. They, they don't have to make the ultimate decision on Daniel Jones. Oh, yes, they do. I'm sorry, they do. Right? They yep. turn down the fifth year option. He is a free agent. I apologize. It's his fourth year, but they turned down the fifth year option, which was understandable at the time. I, I think Dan Graziano said it on TV with us this morning. They have a price in mind that they're willing to go to with Daniel Jones. If he's willing to stay for that price, they probably do it. If he's not, they probably move on. It might seem like a logical conclusion for the Giants to tag him. The problem is you probably can't justify paying Daniel Jones $45 million, which is about what the franchise tag is going to cost. I think they're much likelier to use it on Saquon Barkley. Uh, ESPN Radio, as you covered for all the bowl game action starting tomorrow with the Bahamas Bowl, it's brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage with the best loan originators in the game. Cross Country Mortgage is dedicated to getting it done. Visit ccm.com today. Equal housing opportunity, NMLS 3029. All right, we have three other quarterbacks who I think have everything at stake this weekend. We'll dive into those and much more as we continue. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here, presented by Progressive Insurance. We come to you live from the seaport, brought to you by Gray Goose. Nuno's here. Hambo's here. Five quarterbacks that I think have a lot at stake this weekend. We've talked about two of them so far. One of them is Geno Smith tonight. Uh, Seattle, I'm not exactly sure what Geno's future looks like there. Nuno reminded us that the Seahawks have Denver's first-round pick. That figures to be top five, maybe even top two. So could they decide to draft a quarterback? Geno Smith is a free agent. He's looking to make a whole bunch of money. He's... For a guy who has projected to be what he was projected to be once upon a time, he hasn't made that much money. He's made a lot of money by normal human standards. But he hasn't gotten the really big deal. He could cash in with a couple of big wins, particularly tonight against San Francisco. Then we talked about Daniel Jones. And I think that one's a pretty easy one to figure at this moment for the Giants. I think I think they like and don't love him. And I think that's going to be the way a lot of people feel about him. I think that the Giants will make him an offer to stay that will be at a reasonable salary, and if he's willing to take it, great. And if someone blows them out of the water, then I think they'll go a different direction. Then there's three more. Nuno, is it fair to say that I think that there's a lot at stake for Tua the last few weeks of this season? I I know he was having a great year. I know that there was a moment in time when we said, should he be in the MVP conversation? But a funny thing has happened on the way to that. He got beat up and looked pretty bad in two games against good defenses out on the West Coast, and now he's got two of his last four against really good defenses in bad weather games. And look, if you're going to be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, you're going to have to win in Buffalo. You're going to have to win in New England. And historically, the Dolphins quarterbacks just don't do that. So is it fair to say there's a lot at stake for Tua here? I believe so, because we also got to remember that during the offseason, there was the rumors of you know, the Dolphins were, were interested in Sean Payne and Tom Brady mm-hmm. and bringing him along. So I do believe that Tua is one of these guys that if things don't go right to end the season, that they will have to reconsider what they do next in terms of what are they going to pay him, right? Like, it, it just, I think, but at the same time, I do believe that some of these guys are helped by the fact that they're, it's such a limited market of you know, good quarterbacks that it's available. Like, are you bringing in Sam Darnold to give him an opportunity? Baker Mayfield? Like, what are you doing if you don't feel comfortable with the guy you currently have? 
That's correct. The, the, the situation with Tua, I think, is a pretty simple one, Hembo. They just pick up the fifth-year option. I think, barring something, I certainly, I don't even like to speak into existence the idea of an injury, but if he finishes the season, even if he doesn't play particularly well in some of these last games, I still think he's shown enough that they will pick up the fifth-year option. That's expensive, but it's not prohibitive. And you have two more years to make a decision on Tua. Certainly one more at minimum. Yes, for sure. Tua strikes me as a year-to-year quarterback. Yeah. You pick up the fifth-year option, you get the last two years of a pretty affordable rookie contract, and he has played well and shown that he can play well, at least for long spurts, because there's so much excellence around him. The offense is tailored for him, etc. And then you have the opportunity to use the franchise tag. But I would be stunned if they went the Kyler Murray route and this offseason gave him that huge extension just because he's eligible. All right, and... Then, then that brings us to the game that will be played here at MetLife Stadium on Sunday between two quarterbacks who I think have a lot at stake. Let's start with Jared Goff. We told you earlier he is 1-9 and nine in his career as a starter against AFC East teams. Make of that what you will. His home road splits this year are jarring. He's been infinitely better at home, <coughs> pardon me, than he's been on the road. He has not historically played well in weather games. I don't think the weather here is going to be a huge factor Sunday. It's not like it was in Buffalo last week or anything like that. But it will be cold because it's New Jersey in December. So it's not going to be 68 degrees outside. So we'll see. Do you believe, Hembo, that Jared Goff has done enough that if you're the Lions, and they're going to have a high pick too because of the Rams, if you're the Lions, have you decided I'm building around Jared Goff for the foreseeable future? I think the answer to that question right now is yes. Jared Goff is only 28 years old. He's four years younger than Geno Smith, who we just talked about. He has two years and $62 million remaining on his contract, which by quarterback standards, especially how well he's playing, is really affordable. Right now he has the sixth best QBR in the NFL. He just got Jamison Williams back. That's the youngest team in the entire sport. They're obviously on the ascent. If you add two really good defensive players in the first round of the draft there, you all of a sudden have a potential championship contender in Detroit as soon as next year. Now, that being said, it's very difficult if you pick in the top five and there's a quarterback with whom you have a legit first-round grade not to take him. The the example I'll use is the Eagles. The Eagles gave Carson Wentz the biggest uh, contract in the history of the NFL. Within a year, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. They built the off-ramp. That's why the Eagles are so good right now. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions had their cake and kept Jared Goff and ate it too by drafting a quarterback. Yeah, I don't love that strategy. I'm not telling you you're wrong, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't do it. It's a vast difference. And look, Carson Wentz seems not to have handled it well, but there's a vast difference between drafting a guy who is viewed as a project in the second round and using a top five pick on C.J. Stroud or, or, or one of these guys. That's a guy that people are going to expect to battle you for that job immediately. I don't think you're keeping Jared Goff then. I think you are, um, you are, you are destabilizing his position as your starter. But do you think that Jared Goff has demonstrated to, to date that he's worth you know, have, being your quarterback for the next 10 years or well, just the next I, two? Well, I just asked you what you would do and you said he has earned that I uh, think, that's the decision you're I making I think the answer is both like the best way to attack something is with volume if you can have a quarterback for the next two years that you know can function at a high level in this offense while building the off-ramp to a potential stud drafted in the top five like that's best case scenario and if Jared Goff's feelings are hurt well that's a good problem to have because you've got this kid waiting in the wing. I kind of prefer the idea of trading that pick mm. if there's someone who wants to come up and take C.J. Stroud or take huh. Will Levis or, or, or whomever it might be. And Bryce Young, I think we think, is going to go number one. But whatever. 
if someone is willing to give you the, 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 a similar king's ransom to what was once given to draft Carson Wentz or what was given to draft Jared Goff or what was given to draft Trey Lance. Oh, by the way, are you starting to sense a, a, a theme here? Mm-hmm. Most of these have not turned out so well. The hit rate's still below 50-50. Um, but I think that's the direction I'd be more inclined to go. And, and, then, and then that leaves the Jets. Who were the last one in this group? And Mike White, I think, has everything in the world at stake here. So I, I was interested to hear Romo's analysis of him last week. For those who didn't watch the Jet game last week, Romo and Nance did the Jets and Bills. And Tony Romo, it's easy to forget because he's become such a celebrity and you know, an excellent career, and now you know, sort of a transformative broadcaster, and and you know, the golf, and he's just become such a a very, very, very big deal. Did you forget this guy was an undrafted free agent out of Eastern Illinois? So anything but a guy who was assured of having an NFL career. So when Mike White was coming out there with, you know, the ribs and everything else, I was really interested to hear Romo explaining the mentality, the psychology, because he gets it. Mm. Romo gets it. This is your shot, kid. Like, the reason Mike White kept coming out there, A, yes, of course, he's tough, and maybe he would do that if he had a $100 million contract. But another one is, this is an opportunity he was never guaranteed to have, he was never assured of having, and he is most certainly not guaranteed to ever have again. And the way Romo described it was, look, he's already proven enough that he's going to be in the NFL for a long time. There's going to be a job for Mike White somewhere regardless. But if he wants to have his team, if he wants to be the starting quarterback someplace, if he wants to be the man somewhere, this is his chance. And he's got four more games to try and do it. He's been good. He hasn't been brilliant. I think that his ceiling is good. It's not brilliant. But that might be good enough. I don't think anyone breaks the bank. I don't think, to Nuno's point a few minutes ago, I don't think any team that's out there that is desperate for a quarterback this offseason is throwing a ton of money. I mean, forget about Russell Wilson money, but, but is throwing any like, like, like big-time money, whatever would be considered you know, second-tier quarterback money at Mike White. So I think that this is his chance, and this game is enormous. We talked about it yesterday. The winner of this game has a very good chance of making the playoffs, and the loser is in real trouble. Yeah, the, the, if the Jets lose this game, their chances of making the playoffs go all the way down to 13. If the Lions lose this game, they plummet to four. It is effectively an elimination game. There are two games this weekend for which you can say that about, I guess in some sense. That one, and then Giants at Commanders is a de facto playoff game as well. What, why is that? Because who's... Going to the loser is going to fall behind who? What if Seattle loses tonight? Well, this is of course independent of other results, and we don't know what's going to happen yet tonight. But here are the numbers: the Giants win, it's eighty-nine percent to get in. The Giants lose, it's thirty-two percent to get in. For Washington, ninety and thirty-four. It's the highest leverage game of the weekend. So the, basically, Washington and the Giants, and a lot of this is based on that tie. The winner is in. The loser is in some trouble. All right, we got to do some KOD picks. And there's one other thing I'm looking forward to getting into next here. There is something I have argued forever. And yesterday I saw something that I think constitutes proof that I was right. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. Uh, So there's something I've been arguing forever. If you are with us going back to the Mike and Mike days, then you have heard me say this many times. I say it pretty much every year after the Super Bowl when they announce how many people watched the Super Bowl. And they always say it with great awe and amazement. Look how many people watched the Super Bowl. And they'll say it was 108 million people, 106 million people, 111 million people watched the Super Bowl in America. And I have always said, there's no way that few people watched the Super Bowl. There's no way in the world, if we have roughly 300 million people in this country, that a third of them watched the Super Bowl. That if you lined up every person in America and said, if you watch the Super Bowl, step forward, only a third of them would step forward. Two-thirds of them would be standing in the back doing what? What did you do on that Sunday afternoon? Everybody watches the Super Bowl. So Mike McCarthy is someone who covers sports, media, and business. And he tweeted something yesterday that caught my attention. He tweeted, the NFL has always suspected that TV viewership for Super Bowl-like moments was undercounted. Now the NFL and their TV partners have proof saying their three Thanksgiving Day games actually averaged 44 million viewers, 31% higher than the number that was initially reported. Here's what I'll say. Even that seems low. 44 million viewers watch the football games? Let me ask you a question. We got 300 million people. How many of us do you think, like, generally commemorate Thanksgiving? Like, not everyone. There are people who have to work on Thanksgiving. There are people who don't like it. I, I don't know what it is. They're, they're, but but what, what is, is it reasonable to say, you take out infants, that you got well over 200 million people that are doing what most people do on Thanksgiving, which is like sitting somewhere and eating turkey right. and, and staring right. at people that they don't always see. Right. Watching the Lions lose. You're telling me that out of those 200 million people, four out of every five were not watching football? That's what you're telling me. That's what the numbers say. The numbers say four out of every five Americans, because it's actually way more than that. If you count all Americans, how many times does 44 go into 300? Give me a little quick math there. It's like 15%. 15%. 85% of Americans did not watch football on Thanksgiving. You know what I say to that? Bull feathers. There's no way that's true. There's no way on God. God's green earth that 85% of the people in this country did not watch football. And I can offer you this proof. I don't know anyone who didn't. (laughs) Neither anyone. I know a lot of people. So there's no way in the world that 85% of the, because that would, if you just, if you just subtract all the people I know, that would mean that 90% of the rest of the people Mm. didn't watch football. It's ludicrous. Hambo, someone explain this to me. ESPN commentator thinks 
NFL should be more popular. <laughs> That's what's happening here? No, thinks it is more popular. And they're lying to us. Than it is. They're not lying to us. Something is being miscounted. Something is not right. There's no way this is right. Nuno, <laughs> do you know anyone who didn't watch football on Thanksgiving? No, it was uh, in between the World Cup and, uh, and obviously the NFL on Thanksgiving Day. But what, what do you mean by that? Because the World, was Cup, World Cup, there was World Cup as well. at oh, the same time. Yeah. So, for instance, I think the Brazil Switzerland game on Thanksgiving Day, leading into that Cowboy Giant game, I think there was they said about six million people watched. Let me ask you this: How many people in this country will watch? Brazil, excuse me, Argentina, France. They got the monster final, right? Like this is about as good oh, a final. Yeah. I don't consider myself. I don't try and pretend that I know everything there is to know about this sport. But I am very well aware that you can't really ask for a sexier final than Argentina and France. You have Lionel Messi, who's the best player of his generation. You've got um, Kylian Mbappe, who is the the next you know the the next great one on the other side. You have France, the defending champs. You have Argentina, they're a historical power. You have a European power against a South American power, where there's a natural rivalry there anyway. You got Messi trying to go out on top. It, it's it's the story. Even I know all of the storylines, and I don't follow it nearly as closely as many others. How many people in America will watch? Around the world, a billion people will watch it. Right? There'll be a billion people watching that game. In Argentina, how many people live in Argentina? Give me a roughly. Look up the population. Argentina Argentina. population enter 45 million. 45 million. I'm going to say 44.5 million people will watch that game. There's no way in the world that it will not be 99% of the people in Argentina. It'll be a 90 plus year. It'll be a 90 plus year. So in this country, we're saying, we're suggesting that 15% of our population watched football on Thanksgiving? Is that a joke? I mean, it makes no sense. By the way, would it surprise you to learn, I, I saw a Fox executive tweeted this yesterday, that Americans spent more time watching the World Cup this year than March Madness. That surprised me a little bit. Well, it's a lot longer, right? I mean, there's a lot more of it. March Madness is basically four days plus four days plus two days. That's all there is. There are only games on 12 days of March Madness, and so many of them are running concurrently. So There's no way in the world more people have watched any game of the World Cup, say, than watched the Duke-North Carolina semifinal. I, I mean, that would surprise me. I, I shouldn't say that there's no way. Although, actually, I think that game was on TNT. So, so maybe I stand, I stand corrected on that. If that game had been on CBS, I would say more people did. No, look, the, the, I think the World Cup has been great. Yeah, I do too. I think it's done very well. I, I, again, I told you earlier this week, I, maybe in part because I was homesick for so much of it, but I watched infinitely more of it than I have in any other year. Can you please assist me with my party on Sunday, just briefly? No, no, you got to hear this. No, no. So we're inviting the in-laws over for, uh, on Sunday for a watch party, all right? We're doing the World Cup final. Which Our, in-laws? Is it your parents or Lizzie's parents? Lizzie's parents. So I have to, you know, wear a nice shirt and shower and such. What would you consider a nice shirt? A shirt. <laughs> Something with, co- with the collar? I mean, because you have been known to wear some shirts on this show. Like most people would think I'm doing a radio show that is simulcast on, on ESPN, on the ESPN app, and people see it on TV, and then clips air all over the place. Mm-hmm. Most people would think that is a nice shirt occasion. And I think many of us might then also argue, you don't always wear a nice shirt to this. So, <laughs> Literally so, on being on TV. So, so you're, you're going to wear a nice shirt. I'll wear a nice-ish shirt. You'll wear a shirt. A shirt. Okay. Go ahead. And what we're going to do, Nuno. And Lizzie's parents are coming over. Correct. Okay. And the, what we're going to do... 
is, is, is build our menu with Argentinian food and French food. Why? Because it's a fun way to celebrate the occasion. And I wanted to lean on you to assist me with this, having been to both places. I've been to neither. I, I can help you with that easily, but, but, but here's what I'm asking you. So you just thought this would be a fun thing to do. Like, this would be an interesting poll question. Do, do people think that that's adorable, that you and your family are getting together? And let's have Argentinian and French food because they're playing it. Or do people think that's the people whose party I don't want to yeah. go to. Like, do you want to be the people who are having Argentina? Uh, look, Argentina, like, you're going to eat beef. You're going to eat a tomato and onion salad. I grew up in South America. I'm telling you right now, that's what you're eating. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a tomato and onion salad, okay. and you're going to have beef, and it's going to be the best steak you'll ever eat in your entire life. Right. That's one. French, uh, most people, I think, know French cuisine, my particular favorite. That's the roast chicken with the frites. You know, like there's a really good roast chicken with a really good fries and then and maybe like a lettuce and tomato salad, something like that. Phenomenal. And the best wine in the world. It's the birthplace of wine. Is 10 o'clock too early to drink the wine? What do you think? No. Hell no. In France. Are you kidding me? I mean, they be, be drink, I mean, I, Mbappe will be drinking wine when this game is going on. So so absolutely no. And, and, and not absolutely not. No. So that's what you're eating. But but I think the bigger question is, Nuno, is that a party you want to go to? To taking Hembo out of the equation, because I know you don't want to go to a party with Hembo. But if someone called you mm-hmm. and said, Nuno, come over, watch the game, and you think, oh, great, I'll go over, watch the game, that'll be fun. And then they said, here's a really fun twist we're putting on it. We're going to serve food of the two countries that are meeting in the World Cup final. I can see that going one of two ways, mm. you know, because, like, that's the one where – I'm going to make a ridiculous analogy, but my wife's favorite entertainer of all time is Mick Jagger. She's in love with Mick Jagger. So when we were having a boy, she wanted to name him Mick. And I said, Stace, my name is Mike. You cannot be Mike and have a son named Mick. Everyone hates that family. Why don't we just name our daughter Tracy and just complete it? We'd be like, hi, we're Mike and Stacy and Mick and Tracy. Don't you hate us? We're the worst family in the world. And guess what we're doing on Sunday? Oh, we're theming our dinner. We're serving uh, Buenos Aires and Paris. And they're coming together, the two cultures. And we're going to serve that to celebrate the two nations meeting in the World Cup final. How do you feel about it, Nuno? Sorry, uh, what time did you say the party starts again? Like, uh, no, uh, sorry, uh, I'm unavailable. No, it just it feels like you're trying a little too hard. It's a little right? hard. Like, it, doing uh, too much. Yeah, come o- they they come over, give them the grandkids, hang out. You know, the game starts at ten o'clock. It's a perfect trans- transition then into the NFL Sunday, and you can start drinking because the game is so early, and just call it a day. You're trying a little too You're doing hard. Too much. Right? The game is ten o'clock, right? The game is 10 yes, that, I yes. Like that. Let me ask you this, by the way, because it means it doesn't interfere with the, the football. So it couldn't be more perfect. That, that's one of the great sports days you could ever. And this possibly is one of the great sports it. weekends. Between <laughs> we got the game tonight, we got the three on Saturday, we got the, the soccer game on sa- Sunday morning, and then the games on Sunday afternoon. Right, delightful. No, it's awesome. Uh, but, but let me ask you this. Why are you not dressing up Michelle and the other one? You've got the perfect opportunity because you have two children. Right. Get one of them a onesie with the, with the flag of Argentina <laughs> and the other one a onesie with the flag of France and dress them up in those just to be in the spirit of the, of the World Cup when you, final. When you say these things out loud, like – I'm thinking back now to my original thought process. This was my idea. I thought like this would be impressive to you. Instead, we have made this a mock session. When you say this was your idea, yeah. 
Meaning at some point you and Lizzie were having a conversation and you said out loud, here's an idea. Why don't we serve? So if, if Morocco and uh, who played in the other one? Uh, Argentina beat who again? A Croatia. A Croatia. I would have to look up Croatian cuisine. I, I've been to Morocco. I've not been to Croatia. I don't know exactly what the uh, traditional Croatian hmm. cuisine would be. That would have been tougher, I think. Morocco is a little tougher to eat on an American stomach. You didn't do a great job with your. Well, no, to Morocco, Morocco is when, when you go like Tangiers is a very um, international country. But you know when you get into Morocco, the traditional cuisine was a little tougher on those of us who have a delicate constitution. But that's <laughs> neither here nor there. So, so, so the point of it is that um, when you first said, you see, if I suggested that. See, I'm surprised because your wife, whom I know, again, for those of you who are relatively new to our program, Hembo married a woman uh, who I will always know as Lizzie Edwards, who used to work on Mike and Mike. They met by working on, on our old show. So I've known Lizzie, I think, longer than you've known Lizzie. Anyway, the point of it is, one of the things I like about her is that she kind of reminds me of my wife in that she makes fun of you in all the right ways. Like she considered, I once wrote a book called Why My Wife Thinks I'm an Idiot, and I think she's going to write the sequel. Uh, <laughs> because you just, or I guess you would write the sequel in this scenario because she sort of thinks of it that way. So I can just tell you right now, if I said to Stace, hey, I have an idea. Why don't we have <laughs> your parents over? Now we don't have, unfortunately, both our fathers are dead, but let's have our, our moms over. <laughs> and the kids and let's serve argentinian and french cuisine just to sort of get everyone in the spirit of the world cup final she would mock me mercilessly and endlessly i would still be hearing that a year from now when we have dinner with french you'd say where do you hear what michael wanted to do this idiot he wants to he wants us to serve argentinian food at 10 o'clock in the morning you're making steak and tomato and onion salad so <laughs> you're drinking malbec is, is lizzie just on her way to becoming that cynical, or is she just letting me have this? Well, what one? was her response when you suggested it? It sounds all right. It's kind of, like she it was she wasn't enthusiastic. No, no, it was a neutral response. I think she was just happy that I was contributing to the family and idea, <laughs> which I very rarely have. Yeah, let me suggest to you that if this was the one you suggested, she's not going to want many more from you. <laughs> like, I think this may be the last time your opinion is solicited on pretty much anything. Remember the time you told her that you thought the mums that she planted were redundant? I do. This is worse than that. Okay. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. One more piece of uh, business here. So we got three games that I got to pick this weekend. We got Dolphins at Bills, Buffalo minus seven. Is there a public lean? There is none on this game. Somewhat surprisingly. (sighs) I think the Bills are going to win this game by 100. I mean, I think the Bills are going to obliterate Miami in this game, which tells me the only reasonable thing for me to do is to go the other way, right? I have to pick the opposite. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to so be right. Against every ounce of energy in my spirit, I will take the Dolphins plus the seven. Lions at Jets is a pick game. That's easy for me. I am applying my KOD to the Lions. There's no way I'm going to be responsible for the Jets losing. I will take Detroit. And then Bengals, Bucks, you're telling me three-quarters of the public is on Cincinnati? What is the, the line on this game? It's three. Three? The, the Bengals are only, uh, only given three. We're getting three, excuse me. Then I have to take Tampa and oh. go against the public, even though I think they're going to lose that game by 100. We'll see, and we'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. 
Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcasts.